0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Path of Action. So we haven't been here in a couple weeks, and you know, nothing's really happened. Um,
1: yeah, it's been pretty boring.
0: Not really a lot to talk about. Um, but we would like to give a shout out to our official sponsor, Trainwreck Distillery. Because I don't know about you, Brown, but I need a shot of Super Chief straight bourbon whiskey. Slancha, my brother. Slancha. Mm. So uh, Trainwreck Distillery is right here in Mount Holly, New Jersey. They've been doing actually all kinds of hand sanitizer during the course of the whole pandemic situation.
1: Yeah, true. I had a bottle right over there.
0: Yeah, converted their works to uh, put out hand sanitizer, doing their good deed for the day. They're also my landlord at the Ludus Academy of Martial Arts, also right here in Mount Holly, New Jersey. It's good times. So, how you You been holding up there, Brown?
1: Um, Holding up better with uh since going back to work it's a lot easier uh just just you know staying out of your own head when you have like a you know back into a routine and stuff like that yeah that helps a lot
0: yeah i've been doing the um we decided to do a virtual new jersey renaissance fair um for two weekends Uh, we're gonna be doing that again speaking of if you're listening and you want to check it out it's on a saturday and sunday at 1 p.m if you need a diversion from our current times to head back to the 1560s, um, <laughs> I've got a squirrel that eats outside my uh, kitchen window. That's become real popular. He's actually the main character for the New Jersey Renaissance Fair this year because <laughs> things are off the rails everywhere.
1: You, you know, as models just start incorporating squirrels into the into the act.
0: Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. It's awesome. I've been making videos. I'm I'm so obsessed with it. I, I like. I record the squirrels while they're eating, and I try to get as much footage as I can where it looks like they're talking so that I can do these videos of the squirrels, like, having, like, these press conferences and, like, stuff. It's pretty wild. People will enjoy it. The, the, been... the
1: one we checked out right before we went on, uh, the, <laughs> the uh, montage episode. The
0: montage was, was great. Oh, my so gosh. Funny. It was good times. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, since we've seen all of you last, the world has basically caught fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We uh, our plan our plan was, and I think we'll probably do that a little bit today too, because I think it's actually something people could use was to talk about um about myth and legends and such. Um, but I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about you know what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think in the world uh, today. That's that's one thing that that Joseph Campbell said was uh he he almost described it like a like a sickness in our culture that we didn't really have any prevailing myths that really kind of held us all together, sort of, you know, practically and emotionally and so forth like that, you know, the, the function of myth really is, is like a unifying sort of message that everybody can get behind and stuff like that. And some people have, you know, religious um, rituals and so forth, but many don't. And yeah. there's not a prevailing mythology that's American that we all either point to or refer to or, you know what I mean? So, yeah. He he looked at it like it's a, a huge mistake, and and I, I wish I could remember exactly what he said so I could quote him. But but he he basically said that you know a lot of the ills in our culture are because we just don't have the central myth.
0: Yeah, this started for me. The idea um, usually things happen in my day to day life, and that um, that flavors what we wind up talking about or whatever. Yeah. And the myth legend thing started because i was having a conversation on facebook about uh noah's ark
1: oh that's right the
0: story of of noah's ark and i was applying it somehow to some of the stuff going on um and i realized and i've known this for a long time because um when i was in college i studied a lot of native american philosophy and myth to aboriginal people is really powerful stuff um and they don't care whether it Historically happened because that's actually less powerful than the stories of myth. Because myth, whenever you tell it, it's true now. And it's the message of the story. And when I was having this conversation with this person, I realized that we've been so indoctrinated by history and all of this kinds of stuff that if, she, if, if they thought that it didn't happen historically, it wouldn't mean anything to them. And it would take away the power of the story, which is <clears throat> weird yeah. because things that happen in the past, number one, they get shaped by our interpretation of it over time. Mm. And number two, it just happened and it's gone. Who cares? Um, yeah. So, but if, if it's a myth, if it's truly a myth to you, every time you tell it, you get the lesson. And To me, those stories like that, that you can find in all cultures are powerful because that meaning transcends, not because, and they're probably based on something that happened, you know? Yeah. But people get real bent out of shape when you suggest that maybe there wasn't a flood that flooded everything, you know, and maybe this boat didn't hold two of every animal on the thing because it's physically impossible yeah. Right, but it's still not a. It doesn't mean the story is not powerful, and right. I think that's the thing with myth. If you have actual mm-hmm. myths that are powerful and define your life, you don't care if they historically happened. They're true. They're truer than history. Right. You know.
1: Yeah, because they transcend time, so they're always applicable. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy and, stuff.
1: And um, oh, I just lost my train of thought.
0: But that was my thought on this is I don't think people understand that about myth. And the sa- the funny thing about it is those people who, for example, lady who is talking about the Noah's Ark thing and trying so hard to prove and bringing up weird pseudo scientific reasons why it could have happened and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> The real thing you're saying is that science is more powerful than your God because you need it to verify the story for you. In one breath, (laughs) they're saying they don't care about your science, but if the science can prove that it didn't happen historically, it's just wiped it out. So you need the science that you say you don't find as powerful as your God, but at the next moment, if you can scientifically show, because they it's there's the people who try to say that like dinosaurs were around in England in the 1200s. And that's where we got dragons from and all this kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. And it's trying to, vi- trying to verify all that stuff in the old Testament is, that's crazy. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I heard, him um, speaking specifically about Christianity in the Bible. I heard someone spe- recently talking about a theory and it's it's kind of it's compelling um, that renditions of early, you know, renditions of the uh, burning bush resemble the acacia tree, which contains DMT. And so there, this the guy's theory is that, you know, these stories in the Bible are basically people that were using DMT back then and were going on, you know, what the Native Americans would say, like a vision quest. And they were getting these messages and these, you know, and given these stories and shown these things that they, in their own time, interpreted to be super powerful and mythologized that.
0: Um, And it is compelling. If you read William James, he considered drugs to be a valid form of religious experience. And to me, it's always sort of been the dark side of the force kind of thing. It's the fast and easy way. Yeah. And if you have a good guide who can help you, it can actually be a tool like peyote ceremonies or ayahuasca and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you are altering your consciousness. Yeah. You don't need, that's the Castaneda thing. Don Juan tried to get him to do these things without peyote. And he just kept asking, well, when are we going to do peyote? When are we going to do peyote? And he finally <laughs> said, let's yeah, just, just do peyote white guy. Cause you're not, you're not getting it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, (laughs) but that was the thing for me. And I think it's important for us to, to understand the power of myth. And it, the person got offended when I said, called something a myth, which is interesting. And I understand that is typically in our language. I've just been for so long when I say something's a myth, I'm actually lifting it up. Right. And most people don't think that way, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 Most people in the West don't. Yeah.
0: And, and that that in itself is a problem, mm-hmm.
1: which may be just as just as bad of a situation as not having the myths themselves.
0: Right. So when I said it was a myth, they thought I was saying it's not true, which is right. not the case. And I don't care the things that are that are myths and powerful for me. I don't care if they historically happened. Right. It doesn't matter. They're still powerful for me. My buddy, John Williams, who's on the show, actually, he he's had conversations with people <laughs> where he's been talking to them and they've been saying things, you know, about, like, for example, this. And he'll be like, you know, you don't believe in in this thing? And he's like, well, your God is weak. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, my God doesn't need you to worship it. You know? <laughs> it doesn't change it. People, of course, don't like that very much. Yeah, but- they don't.
1: And what's funny, the, when you first said,
0: mentioned to me, it
1: was... A, Several weeks ago, we planned on doing this much earlier, but circumstances got in the way. Um, you you mentioned after this discussion on Facebook about, about um, Noah's Ark and stuff, you mentioned that you want to do this about myth. And what's funny is the first the first thing that popped in my head was being in your classroom and somebody, one of the students said, oh, that's just a myth. And you were like, you just halted everything right there. You're like, no, no, no hold on a second. <laughs> it's very it, important. And just, just gave, every, you know, and addressed this very thing. Like just a, just you're saying just a myth is dismissing it as not being something that is universal and powerful, and and it's Campbell actually that that brought me back to because we were brought up Presbyterian Christian, mm-hmm. and I I just hit a wall with it at one point and I was like I just can't I, It's just not doing anything for me I've got I can't I just I walked away from it completely and for years and. Then I I end up in college, and I stumble upon Campbell in one of the classes. We just studied Campbell for the, the whole semester and watched a bunch of his lectures, read a bunch of his books. And it's he that that gave the respect back to Christianity because he – just what you just said a few minutes ago was that if you understand the story as a universal myth and you get the lesson out of it, then it doesn't really matter if it
0: ever happened or not.
1: Because you got – it it's purpose. You got, you got the message out of it. And that's the, that's the whole point. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting too, looking at um, Christianity from my view of working with uh, Calvin Martin at, at Rutgers and talking about hunter-gatherer peoples and myths and all these kinds of things. Jesus' career started with a vision quest. He went out to the desert for 40 days. And one of my favorite interpretations of Jesus I've ever seen, and this is kind of leads into the the Boston Tea Party thing I've been having the conversation about, nice. is Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, yeah. Because it's messy, and it's it's probably pretty close to what was actually going on, you know, in that situation. He He didn't have sin in the movie. Have you seen it?
1: Yes, a long yeah. time ago. Yeah,
0: he didn't have sin in the movie, but it wasn't because he was awesome. It was because he was he was terrified. He was afraid that God was going to come after him. So, and I remember him having a speech in there. He's like, he's like, I've never touched a woman, not because I don't want to, but because I'm I'm horrified. And he had he hate he hated the fact that God was talking to him because it was horrible. He said God jumped on his back like a vulture with his claws, and so he was making he was a carpenter and he was making crosses for the Romans to crucify the Jews because he wanted God to stop talking to him. You know? (laughs) Crazy stuff. And then you have Harvey Keitel Judas, which was also awesome. Harvey Keitel, just being Harvey Keitel as Judas was (laughs) great. But, yeah, and he was trying to come to grips with it. And that's, there's so much in the Bible to me after looking at hunting and gathering cultures that is, especially Old Testament uh, Genesis stuff, Where you have a hunting and gathering culture who has just fallen out of that. And they're trying to come to grips with all this stuff that they're doing to these animals and plants that used to be their kin. They've taken the powers of the earth and thrown them in the sky. They've got their sky gods that they're worshipping. There's the Garden of Eden, which is very close to a description of a hunter-gatherer society. (laughs) From what we've studied, hunter-gatherers had an amazing amount of leisure time. Oh, yeah. When Europeans came here, they tried to make Native American slaves, but they said they were they were lazy because they didn't do farming. They're like, "What are you? This is stupid. Why don't you just pick the stuff over there?" You know. <laughs> yeah. And another thing too is, I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember Calvin was talking about it, and then he said, you know, one of the problems with Native Americans as slaves for the the white colonials was the fact that they would just leave, and then they yeah. go, and the next thing you know, your scalp is is on a thing which is why they brought in the africans because and they also said that native americans were really bad at farm labor you know yeah. because if you're in an actual hunting gathering society you've got a ton of like leisure time you don't you don't work like we do it's very garden of eden like yeah. you know for people who are truly paleolithic and there were a lot of farming cultures here in in the in america in the americas too but um yeah so and then what happens when they fall from grace? They got to start farming and they start like breaking this back breaking work all the time. Whereas the Garden of Eden, which is a, it's an environment of, of trust and abundance. You just trust that there's going to be stuff around to eat. Yeah. Farming is a, is a philosophy of fear. You, you pull stuff out of the earth and store it because you're afraid you're not going to be taken care of. Paleolithic right. society, which is pre farming is in a state of grace where everything's a gift and it's always coming to you. And then you start farming the Neolithic and it's, you totally flip that narrative. And now you're in fear that you're not going to have that. And also the sky gods and you get your priest class and all this kind of stuff. But you know, fat as a hunter gatherer is the most important thing. And the thing that God always wants in the old Testament from the, the lamb is, is the fat. You know, there's so much. And actually, in the Old Testament, in the uh, the story of the Garden of Eden, it's not Satan that comes to Eve. It is the snake. Right. And the first time the snake comes to her, what Eve sees is just a, per- is a person, right? And hunter-gatherers have that sort of shared personhood. That's why vision quests happen. They go out and they yeah. meet uh, whatever their totem animal is, a beaver or something, and it just looks like them. They talk to it. They converse with it. Eve has that same thing. The snake in the Old Testament does not look like a snake until after that stuff happens. After that is when the snake starts crawling on its ground. It's it's the curse of the snake from that. So there's shape-shifting. Yep. And then you get to the New Testament where Jesus goes out and has his vision quest in the woods. In the, in the desert, he goes out and finds his power and comes back. I don't even know how I started this. Anyway, it yeah, just... But,
1: but, but that's all... A myth, and it's based on things that probably, like you said before, happened. People will say, oh, well, it's exaggerated over time. Myths change over time to uh, to remain applicable to the situation now. You know? Yes. Yeah. It, of course, they change. it's always evolving. It's, no, it's not a dead story. It's not like, uh-huh. let's write this down, and this is okay, and now it's the same forever. That's the other thing they didn't do, is write it down. It was passed along by word of mouth, and it right. evolved over time to... Always be applicable to the situation and it's always changing slightly to – so that you can still get benefit 150 years from now. That story may be different, but it's the same story, but it still has power because it changed for the
0: time. And the people who don't think that way, I'm sure that a lot of the stuff that I just said about Christianity, to me, it actually lets Jesus still be a a kind of force in my life. That's how we were brought up. Like that was the – that was the myth we had. That was the religion we dealt with, all that kind of stuff. So it still yeah. definitely has a big influence on me. And it's powerful for me because of of what I've just said. It's the way I've come to grips with the Jesus myth, right? Right. But there's a lot of Christians who'd be very offended by what the, the description I just gave of Christianity. Like, you know. This is actually a hunter gatherer people who left the thing. There wasn't actually just like two people hanging out because then where did the wives come from from for Cain and Abel? all that kind of stuff. you know, but it doesn't but it's still a powerful story yeah. if If I have to pretend that it like historically happened exactly like that then then it it doesn't mean anything to me anymore because clearly it's like Santa Claus right you know. <laughs>
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point, too. If you think about it, like The closest thing we have to myths is, like, what? Santa? Right. Easter Bunny? All the stuff that we're told, well, and then we're told at some point, oh, yeah, that's all lies. You
0: know what? Actually, <laughs> I would argue some of the things that we have that are closest to myths are Superman and the Lord of the Rings. and Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know? Those things are more powerful than I think we give them credit for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, for people? That,
1: in Tolkien's case, I mean, that's what he was. That was the explicit purpose of his books. Yeah. He he addressed that. He's like, England doesn't have mythology. He's like, what. The the like, English mythology was kind of wiped out by my people. I, I'm sorry. By the Normans. I apologize. Sorry. Um, <laughs> At least you're going to admit in, it. In 1066, they just wiped yeah. it out. But. But. The. Major myth that people think is English is like the King Arthur and all that stuff. That's mostly French, and it's just like a mishmash of like a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, and it's, but it's mostly French, so they don't really have their. their yeah, but it's still mythology. it's still powerful too, though. It is, you know. But that's that's why Tolkien wrote those books because he saw that hey, there's mythology's missing. We don't have it, mm-hmm. and that was the purpose of uh, you know making the all making up all these languages and, and writing all these stories around it.
0: Right. Fascinating. Yeah. So if you have those myths in your life. It can enhance you. And I and I realized I was feeling slightly sad for this person that was that was battling for the historical validity of their Noah's Ark story. Yeah. Because if they lost that argument, they lost that story for them. Right. Whereas if yeah. it was a myth, it wouldn't be the case. And it's really hard. It's really hard to express this, I think, to people who are in that historical mindset. But a, a myth is is more powerful than something that happened in history. George Washington cutting down the cherry tree is a powerful story that probably never actually happened. Yeah. But it's a myth that kids have that gives them a moral compass, you know? And you kind of have that with... Because another thing I've been talking about the past couple days is because people are very upset right now about people who are looting and rioting and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And to be... F- to be, um, to be upfront about it, I don't approve of looting either. Like when you see pictures of people going in and out of stores just grabbing merchandise with big smiles on their face, yeah, that's not helping. It's often <laughs> counterproductive. But one thing I've been saying is, it's not surprising. This is what humans do when you push them to a certain point, and then they explode. Yep, you know, hundred percent. It's the reason why people like Gandhi and King are so amazing. Because they were able to keep mobs of people peacefully protesting. Yeah. Someone who did not do that were the American revolutionaries. (laughs) It doesn't mean that they weren't justified in what they were doing and that they weren't being oppressed. But bad, morally reprehensible things happened by the colonists. Oh, yeah. But people lose their minds when you suggest that. There's this idea that the Boston Tea Party was this like... Very respectful. You know, they went and they threw tea overboard, but then they paid it back and there was no property damage. And, you know, none of them took any tea home because they were – it was all It was all based on the – I was having a conversation about the um, – I was just drawing the parallels between, you know, people, people looting and some of the stuff that happened and, you know, Boston Tea Party stuff, you know, Sons of Liberty, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And they're like, well, they targeted loyalists, you know. That's what they were doing. It's like, okay, yeah, but the loyalists they were targeting were other colonial citizens – who had businesses in their community yep. who just happened to not think we should break away from the British. And they tortured them and used terrorism on them. Yeah, they did. And, it, and, and it's, it's what humans freaking do. So when right. you throw fuel on these fires like this <clears throat> and you don't give it any kind of outlet – people are going to blow up. I don't agree with them. I'm not going to go break into a store and steal stuff right now. But it it's you who why are you surprised that it's happening? Yeah. You know, there's there's human douchebags in every group, especially when you put a bunch of them together and you allow them to be that angry, you know. And then you're just throwing fuel on that fire. But it's actually, I guess, in some ways it's, it's the myth of our um, colonial – maybe that's one of our myths too. Our myths of the the founding fathers and the – because you can also have myth go that the opposite direction and become dangerous like it did in Nazi Germany. Like there's a lot of symbolism there and stuff that they were using. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of a situation with this thing. Like people people get very upset when you start suggesting that the founding fathers of the country weren't perfect because that is sort of one of the myths. We sort of hold those people up. You know, as these, these saints of liberty, and to suggest that yeah. they might have done something that you didn't morally like is becomes anathema to people, and they freak out. So maybe, yeah. Yeah, we're complicated creatures. We really are.
1: You could make a strong argument that there'd be no United States without Thomas Jefferson, but he also has slaves. Right. So, you know, yeah. insanely brilliant individual— Mm-hmm. Was pivotal in the creation of the foundation of our country and the Constitution, and everything like that. But he was a slave owner. Like, yeah, you have to be. I and mean, that's address it all because it. it you know what that it, it might be uncomfortable to think about that, especially if you, like you said, have him on these pedestals. But it's what happened. It's the truth, and it, it, it. You know, it humanizes them too. They were just wrong. If you and if you, we sat him down right here, right now, and and started talking about it, he'd probably be like, "Yeah, that was fine." you know what i mean like uh,
0: you know what i mean
1: well to me one of my
0: okay if we won world war ii then we also had slaves if we put a man on the moon then we also gave smallpox blankets to native americans correct you know you can't just pick and choose because that's most of the people who do that stuff you know so proud that, you know, we beat we beat the Germans in World War II and we stopped the think. I didn't own slaves. I, didn't, I wasn't there. You can't blame me for that. It's like, okay, well, then you weren't storming the beaches of Normandy either, if right. you want to be honest about Correct. it. Correct. So. Correct. And, <laughs> and, it, ha, and how did yeah. we
1: win World War Two? by the way? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we dropped an atomic bomb. Two of them. On
0: mm-hmm. civilians. And the second one was just to scare the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were ready to surrender. They literally dropped the second bomb to show the Russians that they could do it again. An entire city of civilians. Gone. How many buildings and personal property got looted and wrecked and windows broke during the atomic bombing of Nagasaki? That's actually a great, great analogy. Exactly. And again, because people believe in what that morally stood for, they'll justify it. But they... I think a real big problem right now is they don't like the message that's being marched for <laughs> right. because they didn't right. have a problem with people with guns going in the Minnesota state house. Yeah. Because they like those guys,
1: you know? Right. Yeah. We went from wearing a mask as tyranny to like,
0: oh my God, bring, bring in, in the martial yeah, bring law. The martial <laughs> law. <Yeah. laughs>
1: like real quick. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. What happened to the tyranny talk? <laughs> now
0: tyranny's actually happening and now it's okay now? It's okay. Because,
1: yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I,
0: you know. <laughs> It's my desperate yeah. hope, and that's that's the reason why I still keep talking on Facebook is that hopefully maybe somebody will start being able to slightly be objective about yeah. the current situation going on in in the country. Cause that's that's what I find. I don't I don't really consider myself a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, I don't either. But I I just feel like it, it's getting taken to another level now, you know, where it is. There's yeah. a, there's an active attempt right now to be to to bring the country to a a fascist state. Oh yeah, and it's 100%. terrifying. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, it, and it's happening right before our eyes, and with thunderous applause. And pe- right,
1: exactly. That's the scary <laughs> part. You know? you know, and you know what's funny is that I've been watching a lot. We were talking about this before it went live. All this um, footage of. People, independent media, the people that were out in the streets with the protesters walking around at the rallies uh, and interviewing people and filming. And I, I noticed that most of these folks were keeping the cameras on the police more than not, right? And mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting. I kind of noticed it. And, and the one... A gentleman i was watching on on youtube said that and he was at the standing rock protests and he said a native elder took him aside at one point and said thank you for bringing for being here and bringing your cameras here and uh you know, he said yeah sure no problem you you're welcome i you know this is this is happening this is important i want to be here to document it he said no no you don't understand if you weren't here pointing your cameras at them they'd be using real bullets and he said he was like stunned like well, uh oh my god and, and you look at what's going on right now, you have peaceful protests all over the place, even overseas, and multiple cities overseas are doing it in in, in support, which is amazing. But you have all these cities, 30-something cities, I think now, are, have protests going on seven, eight days in a row, something like that. And you have all these people peacefully protesting, marching, chanting, singing, dancing, all this stuff, right? Meanwhile, you have picket lines of police and now National Guard and our military. My unit is one of the ones that were activated. It went, uh, they, they went somewhere, right? In riot gear. And at the same time, they're standing here. And at times, you know, shield bashing the media, knocking kids to the ground, macing kids, like beating people that are just standing there. While three blocks over, it's where the looting, the rioting's happening. And I just kept thinking, why are they not going after those people? But they're like lined up to stop the peaceful protesters from doing what? They're peacefully protesting. The, the criminals are over there. Why aren't you going after those guys?
0: It's so frustrating. It's really hard and that's that's the thing too. Um, I know a ton of police officers who are awesome human beings. I train yeah. with them, you know? Yeah. And one of the things that really... I worry for them too as much as everybody else, not as much as for my yeah people of color friends who like have to get pulled over once in a while, but... <laughs> When you refuse to acknowledge that the police ever do anything wrong, you make life so much harder for those guys that I roll on the mat with who are trying to do their job. Yeah. You know? Because you're you are you are perpetuating the idea that they are above reproach, you know, and that they that we believe they can't do anything wrong. And when somebody gets murdered by them, instead of actively investigating it in an honest way, there's this immediate circling of the wagons and you start blaming the victim. It's, it's a lot like what women go through when they get raped. The first thing that happens when they come out is their character gets dragged through the mud. Um, you know, you shouldn't address that way. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, so that's the thing, you know, and decent police officers lives are made more dangerous and a lot more difficult. By not being honest about the thing. And I even, I used to work at security at Great Adventure. And we were, we were talking about the fact that, you know, because of the power we had as a security guard at Great Adventure, we had to be, hold ourselves to a higher standard, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the reason why um, so much of martial arts training is, is the bowing and the respect and, you know, a code because you have power. Uh, You know, so you have to be held to a higher, higher standard. It's like, it's, you know, otherwise you're just a tyrant if you don't have any accountability. And frankly, the citizens marching, college kids and all this kind of stuff, I expect them to be more loose cannons than the police officers. You know? Yeah. When I have conversations on Facebook, I work very hard. To not respond with anger when people start calling me names or, like, saying I'm a stupid whatever side of the political fence they think I'm on, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, and you gotta you got to be able to do that. And police officers, more than anybody, have to be able to be at that high standard, you know? And from my experience, most of them that I know are decent people who – a lot of them do it because they feel like it's something they can do positive for society. Others just, you know, it's their job and they, they feel responsible for it. And they actually try to serve and protect. Yeah. But it makes it a lot harder for them when we don't hold people accountable, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%. Anyway, we should probably take a break.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's do take it. a break and we'll come back. And we'll we'll rant. come back. We'll <laughs> rant some more. We'll try to <laughs> try to get back on the myth thing. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll tie, little, little, little
0: It'll tie back together. Alright guys, don't forget our sponsor, train wreck distillery here in mount holly new jersey because even in the midst of all this chaos i think there's one thing we can agree on whiskey is good
1: whiskey is very good that's right
0: all right guys we'll be back shortly after a word from our sponsor welcome back everybody to the path of action i'm tj miller i'm here with my good friend michael brown greetings of the bunker podcast you guys just had a new episode come out recently didn't you i gotta listen to it it was the men in black episode
1: Yes, I had uh, I had my friend Justin Bamforth on who's uh, written a book about the paranormal hmm. uh, and Men in Black and just like synchronicities and his theory is that his theory is that all paranormal phenomenon is all connected somehow. Right, it's all part of it's coming from the same source or it's us that's creating this or it's something that's happening externally and we're a part of it and. That's why people experience different things because it's, it's based on like where you a fuel source or where our perception feeds it or something like that. Right. But his theory is that it's all connected. Yeah. So I had him on and we talked about uh, the Men in Black hmm. phenomenon, which is still happening. Like, it was, yeah, I got to check were, it out. They were caught on camera recently. Oh, yeah. It was in a security camera at a, at a um, I believe it was a department store or something like that. And they came asking questions looking for this guy. Who just happened to have that day off. And they, 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 all the people in the store said, like, totally freaked them out. And, and you can see them. I'm straight up, like, guys in black. And they don't know if it was in the government or if it's whatever. But so many of these uh, happenings, there's a paranormal element to it. Like, they'll just appear. And you turn around, they're just standing there. Like, where the hell do you guys come from? Um, so they're ninjas. They just appear. And they'll disappear. Right. Like ninjas. Right. But without even, like, throwing a smoke bomb on the ground mm. and being gone. they'll just You'll just turn around and look, and then you just turn and look again a second later, and they're gone. That'd be way cooler if they use smoke bombs. I agree with that. Yeah.
0: I agree with that. Hmm. I gotta check it out. Yeah, yeah great, that's um, episode. the bunker, and they can find that on Apple Podcasts and all that stuff, right?
1: Apple, Google. Um, yeah, also...
0: Um, Your name's on there, too, right? Because there's a couple of the bunkers out there, I think. Like, Yeah, my, know, name,
1: my name is on the bottom.
0: Michael Brown, The Bunker. You guys should check it out if you're interested in paranormal ghosts, UFOs, the men in black. Yeah. They were telling you about that. Um, Actually, you might have heard it from Seth. And when he went to that Japanese Renaissance Fair in Japan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our buddy Seth went to uh, Japan and he, he went to a festival. It was like a Renaissance Fair, but it was feudal Japan. And he said there were samurai walking around. There was a monk guy who had 12 cats following him and claw, climbing on him. And then there was this ninja show. Where, you know, you'd be sitting in your thing, and the lights would go down, and you'd hear like footsteps, like like through the rafters, <laughs> and then the lights would come up, and there'd be just a ninja sitting next to you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so awesome. It'd be really cool. It does. Yeah. So anyway, we were uh, we were talking about myth, and then we got derailed into talking about the uh, the current uh, climate of our of our nation right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. I think myth could do a lot for us (laughs) in a lot of ways. It's really weird though, because it is kind of a double-edged sword, like everything else about humans, you know, very true. Myth can be very powerful, but it also, you can kind of have that, you know, the dark side of it where there's that whole us versus them thing. Like if we share the same myths and all that sort of thing. And, and that really is sort of what Hitler was trying to create in Germany was this sort of myth of this Aryan race. He even took symbols, symbols, You know, from Asian philosophy, the swastika turned the other way is actually a symbol of love and peace and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He ruined that. He ruined the little mustache. He did. He ruined a
1: lot of shit. But yeah, you're right. It can, you can use myth for, for something negative. Right. It's, it's, it's just like anything else. It's very powerful. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad. Yeah. And, um. I like what I like what Campbell said about myth where he said that a uh, myth was a is a public dream is a public dream and a dream is a private myth
0: hmm. I had that about dreams as well because Descartes who to me is one of the big sources of many of the problems we have in Western Western society yeah. with the whole I think therefore I am sort of thing Descartes yeah. his Premise of his dream argument kind of starts off, you know, have you ever had a dream? Yes. Did you realize you were dreaming when you were having a dream? Not always, no. So how do you know you're not dreaming right now? You know, so it threw everything into doubt and all that sort of thing. So his his premise was, if you ever had a dream and didn't know you were dreaming, it means that waking reality is not real. But to me, the thing I realized at some point, I think studying all that stuff in college was like, if you've ever had a dream and you haven't realized you're dreaming... Maybe that means dreams are real. Yep. Maybe this is a dream, but it's not something that's not true. It's just that dreams are also real, right? It's just, it's just a different frequency. It's a right? different frequency, different reality that we get to, get to take a visit into every night. You know.
1: Yeah, true. So it's like Dumbledore tells Harry at the end of the very end of the books, or the, And I think it was in, yeah, it was in the film too, where he sees Dumbledore in in the process of like he's in the in between time. he's in the Bardo basically. You know, he's like, he was just struck down by Voldemort, and he's not quite dead, but he's not alive.
0: Spoiler but alert! By the way, if you guys haven't seen all of, he's, uh, he's in Harry in, Potter, in,
1: right? He's in, <laughs> he's in that in between world, right? And sees Dumbledore and has a conversation with him, and he asks Dumbledore, like, is this real or is this or is this all just in my head? And he says, you know, I forget exactly how he puts it, but he basically says. Just because if if it's all what makes you think if it's all in your head that it's not real, kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing, right? But yeah, it could be just a different level of consciousness, like we touched on real early on. You know, if you take a substance, and I've spoken to several people that have taken uh, ayahuasca in in a a ceremony with the, the priest and everything like that, and what they say is profound. Because they see the same beings, like different people do it, years apart, and they encounter the same, they describe the same beings that they encounter when they cross over that, whatever that is. And they come out, like they were, they were given something, they come out of it with knowledge. And that seems to suggest that it is just a different place. And, and to say, oh, it's just all in your head... To me, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not real and it isn't an actual place. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, if you just change your, if you just change the frequency of your cells, you can literally just explode
0: right. like a bomb. <laughs> right. One of the big problems to me is the word "just." Yeah. I, we, I think we've talked about this in the past, but yeah. to say something is just a dream is ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's a dream. It is a dream. But it's not just a dream. I had this conversation in a uh, philosophy class once where the it was a teaching assistant. It was during a summer class. And he said, he put the premise up, the sun is just a ball of gas and vapors in the middle of the solar system. <laughs> N- no, no, first of all. Um, yeah. It is a ball of gas and vapors in the middle of the solar system. But it is also the... Prerequisite for mental health for anybody who lives above the place where they get three months of darkness every year. You know, um, it's it's been a god for us for a reason for a very long time. You know, it is what we eat. Ultimately, all yeah. of us eat light. We are all made up of stars. You know, scientifically, um, yeah. as as a fact,
1: there'd be literally <laughs> no life
0: on this planet if right. the sun was not there. Anytime you put that just qualifier on it, it's just a dream. Don't worry about it. You know, it's just a ball of gas in the middle of the solar system.
1: You know. Yeah, that's why in that day in your class when you when that kid said, like, oh, that was just a whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just, it's just a myth. I was like, oh. Like, yeah. Because I knew it was coming. like, here he goes.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that word drives me crazy. It is a myth. Yes, absolutely. But it's not just a myth. It's so much more than that. And there's very few things in our life that are just anything else. I remember a guy uh, – yeah, I went to a lecture with this uh, pretty famous p- philosopher, uh, Hillary Putnam. And he said uh, – somebody asked him if he could put his philosophy in a nutshell for him. And he said, well, any philosophy that can be put into a nutshell deserves to be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy stuff.
1: It's so true. And, it, it, and just seeing what's going on right now, which by the way – Someone pointed out recently, which I thought was was brilliant and so, and so poignant, we, we can't forget that the precursor to this individual's murder by the police, which is not the first time, it's not the 10th time, it's not mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's been happening God, forever, right? And there's all the outrage, of course, as there should be. But immediately before that, we have a pandemic and 40-something million people just lost their jobs. Which means forty million people just lost their health care because their health care is tied to their job. And that's on top of the millions that already didn't have a job and already mm-hmm. didn't have health care. Right. So the, the the situation in the
0: country was awful already. Right. And, then, and people have been locked in their houses and right. some people in solitary confinement basically yeah, exactly. for what seventy days, something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and it's and,
1: it, and I think that if if we had. And, you know, like someone like Killer Mike or, or Cornell West might be the person to do that in this context to mythologize it, what's going on right now. Now, put it into a narrative that's universal, that people can get behind and harness and focus their rage, their anger, which, like I said, is all justified, 100%. But instead of running into Target and stealing a bunch of stuff, turning that into, you know researching, you know, the people you can vote out of office, get rid of them. Uh, Other ways you can help your community or, like, ways that you can, you know, it might be something so simple as, like, calling out racists or KKK
0: members. I mean, KKK is still around. Yeah. That was one thing I saw today. I saw a guy talking about, um, you know, we have to not just not like racism. We have to be anti-racist. Yeah. You know, and there's not a lot of people... You know, privileged white folks like us don't do that enough. You know? That's true.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. That's true. And that's actually – it's funny you mention that because as I was watching, like I said before, the protests in D.C., they were they were originally as close as they could get to the White House. But it was literally like a half a mile away because they had mm-hmm. – the police had pushed the barriers back. So they didn't want anyone anywhere near the White House, for understandably. So they were there for a little bit. But then they marched from there all the way to the Lincoln Memorial. Thousands of people. I mean, it was surrounding the whole thing and around the whole – the reflecting pool and everything. Pretty amazing. It was very touching actually. And then but, – but this woman that was speaking there said that. She's like, you know, she's like, I'm calling you out, white people. <laughs> she's like, we need your help. We can't – you know I mean? We can't do this all by ourselves. We need you too to call the stuff out and step up to the plate and yep. and, and be there as well because it's, it's the same thing as, you know – Good cops calling out bad cops. It has to happen. Or that means there's no standards, which is what we've had so far. And that's why right. everyone's all pissed off. Because there's no, there, there are sets of standards, but they're not sticking to them.
0: Yeah, and it's the thing. We have this also sort of the image of the rat, the snitches get stitches thing. Yeah. So it's those cops who stood there and watched that guy get murdered. They need to be punished too. 100%. Because we have to start police officers who are standing there and watching that happen have to start stepping up and stopping it. You got to to serve and protect is the is the is the motto for most police departments, you know? Yeah. And it is. I understand too those guys it's not easy. You know, cuz that's their culture. These are the guys they work with. They're watching those guys and I've been in those situations where it's uncomfortable, you know? Like I said, working at Great Adventure and Security. Like, I saw some stuff go down that I didn't speak up about. Because yeah. these guys are the people I work with, you know? And it's it's very similar to any kind of circumstance like that. Where you are, you are kind of indoctrinated and told. Humans, it's very similar to why people start going into Target all the time Once somebody does it. You see it happening. And then it's that herd mentality. We are... Herding creatures and it's, it's hard. That's why. that's what I said. I I was trying to say that, you know, today on some Facebook conversations is that's the reason why Martin Luther King and people like Gandhi are so awesome and rare because they were able to maintain that. When you get that many angry people in one spot, they're going to blow up and do stupid stuff. We used to go to concerts when we were kids. People do stuff all the time. Look at any sports team's celebration after their Super Bowl. You know? Half the time, they turn into riots and burning and breaking windows. Because their sports team won. Because people... Were lost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, young dudes, and they're drinking, probably. You know? (laughs) It's crazy. I've been to frat parties in college. Dumb stuff happens when you put a bunch of humans together in a group and start having to do that. Now, they're also angry. (laughs) <laughs> you know right so you need leadership and we don't have it right now you know yeah we don't and that's what yeah. and that's what really in
1: a in a simplified sort of form is what a myth does right it's that leadership when there isn't a leader there mm-hmm. it's that standard that you hold yourself to or that lesson you think back on like, oh okay yeah so and so okay yeah he did this okay you know it's it's like a it's like a roadmap on a sort of where to go, how to conduct yourself, what to do in this situation, you know, and, you know, good religions have them to an extent under certain circumstances, but our culture really doesn't have it right now. Well, even. And it, it shows because yeah. it, because all this anger is just going everywhere and it's right. not focused in any one direction.
0: And the people who are supposedly, the people who supposedly have a myth, the the Christians out there. They are so anti what Jesus said for the most part, especially when you start getting into prosperity gospel and all this kinds of stuff. They're very Norse, you know? They're much more in lines with the morality of Odin than they are with Jesus, you know? So true. Um, so, true. so just admit it. Be a be cool or anything anyway. Let's all just be Norse, you know? I pl- I've played Thor a couple times, and Thor loves being freaking Thor. Mm. You know, it's just all about cakes and ale and Valhalla, you know? <laughs> crazy stuff (laughs) and it's the thing too we have the myth too we do have some myths it's like the myth of like the tough guy which i think is the thing that like trump is trying to play into you know this whole like just march out the military i'll put this down real fast you know but then you look at your strongman and you realize you know he dodged combat and he's hiding in the basement of the white house now when when things are a little scary you know yeah and that's the thing is it it's it's the weird thing for me with um with Trump supporters. And I I know some of them who I actually have can, can have conversations with, and I understand the reasons why they like him. But there are a lot of people who support Trump who just there's they have no capability to ever see him doing anything wrong. True. And a lot of them are Christian people <laughs> who are supposed to know that we're all flawed, but it's it's you know, yeah, it just can't admit ever. And that's not how this country works. You can't, you have to be able to hold your leaders to account. And then anytime anybody challenges him, those people in that club are just, well, you just hate him so bad. You're looking, no, I'm, I, this thing he did, I don't like it. And it's not based on what CNN told me or, you know, the, the liberal media or whatever you want to call it. It's based on video. I saw of him saying it, right? right? Yeah. I'm not even saying right now he's a bad president or whatever. I don't. I think he's a horrible president. I want to put that out there. It's okay. I understand some people don't, but yeah, <laughs> this thing—can we agree this was a bad thing? And there's not—I've never seen anything. The 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 closest they come sometimes they're like, well, you know, I don't always like what he says on Twitter. You know, like you'll hear that a lot. Yeah. But it it seems like they feel like everything he's ever done for the country is just perfect, and the only reason it's not working out is because you have these deep state actors fighting him. And all this—it's like, look, <laughs> right. okay. Let's say you're right, and there's all these forces right against him. If he's a good leader, he's going to navigate that and not have the country be the dumpster fire that it is right now. Correct. It's on. There's okay. none of the accountability of you know the buck stops here. You know this is on my watch. I'm responsible. You know let's get together and fix this. It's none of that. It's always you right. Know. Which
1: is literally in yeah what a what a leader does in any capacity at any level. That's like lesson one. That's what you do. Even mm-hmm. if you're a supervisor, a target. Yeah. Something happens on your watch. You're responsible. Yeah. Right. If you're a supervisor at a gas station and somebody gets hurt, it's your job to address it. Yeah. You're in charge. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why is that any different for the president?
0: Yeah. It's interesting too. I was talking to, um, I've been having conversations with uh, Brian again, Gundry. And oh, okay. uh, you know, he's seen some stuff. He's like, he's like, I can't believe you're falling for this politics stuff or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, it's just, it's what's happening, you know, to me, usually it's, it's just an extension of like philosophical conversations, like, and it does Mm -hmm. actually affect us. And the thing I told him the other day is, yeah, usually I don't get into it as much. I just feel like we're kind of in a 1920s Germany situation right now, yeah. you know? And I, I worry for, you know, my goddaughters, (laughs) you know, and what we're leaving, uh, with the climate change stuff. And now with this, you know, it's real easy. I feel like to say, Oh, you know, politics is don't talk about it. Like it's, it doesn't really affect us. Like, yeah, it's going to be way different for people. If the fundamental nature of our, cause no matter what you think about this country, like I I've enjoyed much better living here. Yeah. For, for my life than I would in a lot of other places <laughs> around the world. Yeah, yeah. And it would be very sad if that experiment... Because even though we have our flaws, it's a, it's a really great... Like, we're allowed to talk about it. Like, we can have this podcast here. And I'm not scared yet that somebody's going to kick the door down and tell us to stop broadcasting. Now, I think a lot of Americans have this idea that that could just never happen here. Which is foolish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because... It was about the same amount of people in in Germany who who felt that the the Nazi Party was <laughs> you know was great. Yeah, it was yeah. a minority. It was definitely a minority. About a third of the population, you know. Yep. So, and that that quote from uh from Star Wars is is really good. This is how democracy dies with thunderous applause.
1: Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. it we and, and I think it's now becoming abundantly clear to most. Americans um, that were cl- we're close to getting there like it can it, it can happen yeah we're definitely we definitely have the potential right now to either see drastic change in a good way or <laughs> yeah
0: it's <laughs> one of those opposite? moments it's one of those moments right and we've, we've had bad moments before so it's also very po- possible that you know this is is like a lot of things that have happened this is like a blip in the thing. And I say that, that's part of my privilege. So I say that as a, as a dude who grew up in pasty white boy who grew up in the middle of, you know, suburbia, in New Jersey. So True. definitely different experience than a lot of, you know, minorities and women and stuff have had.
1: 100%.
0: Um, Yeah. It just feels like the, the hope is, and again, that's probably a lot of that is probably just, you know, the fact that I, that I, that I'm a white dude. But I remember getting out of college and after that, there was just sort of this feeling that like everything was on this trajectory of heading up, you know, and we were, we were going in good directions and we're getting there. I remember, you know, yeah. it felt like there was hope and, you know, things were, and it's just, I, it's just the past. It's hard. It's hard, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's terrifying.
1: Anyway. hundred yeah, percent.
0: Yeah. It's, People
1: are done, man. <laughs> They've just had it. And it's—and yeah. it shows. And, it, you know, I think someone made a statement the other day that, that, that there hasn't been protests and riots in the United States to this level since MLK was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole hell broke loose when that happened.
0: Right. And at the time, Robert Kennedy did a lot to quiet that down yeah. as a leader. You know, yep. he stood up and he said things that had to be heard. You know, it, of course, it wasn't perfect. We're still dealing with the fallout of all of that stuff, you know, to this day. And it's, I, I don't know, I just get sick of the the excuses and, well, this is happening because of th- this, whatever. It's like, okay, whatever. It's, it's happening, though. Right. It is happening. Yep. Clearly, many citizens of this country feel like something is drastically wrong. And something is. Yeah, I agree. Something is. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm just saying that the people who are, you know, who... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, really just, all, all you got to do is look at statistics. And I think nationally, uh, if you're African-American, you're five times more likely to be stopped, arrested, questioned, harassed, beaten. Mm-hmm. Here in New Jersey, I believe it's 10 to 1. So and it well, might be similar numbers in New York. That's, John, a, that's a problem.
0: It's a big problem. John, um, my partner in the sword show, black guy. He realized in Louisiana that him and all of his uh, friends, who were not white, who work at the Renaissance Fair, they all have a driving uniform that they wear, so they don't get shot. John's, is he wears his Boy Scout stuff, and he has his Boy Scouts of America thing in the back window. So when the cops come up, they're like, oh, okay, this guy's, you know, he's a Boy Scout guy, he's cool. Our buddy Sinbad, he has... He wears his car hearts wherever he's going, and he keeps his tools very visible in the backseat of the truck so that when police come, up, they're like, oh, okay, working guy, blah, 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 oh, right? God. So – but they all do, you know? And that's something that you and I – I've never felt threatened at a traffic stop, you know? I, I've never
1: even I, – I can't even – like that's just – even giving everything I know already and everything that's going on, like, I'm just... That still is shocking when you hear something like that. Jesus
0: right. And Christ. it's shocking to us because we're white dudes. Because we, have, we, we <laughs> you know? never... not have Right. We never yeah. had to deal with that stuff. Yeah.
1: But we get pulled over. We're like, oh, shit. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get my stuff out. I give my information. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I get,
0: never expect to be ripped out of the car. Never. You know? No, and no one should. Right. Even after hearing, like... Because I feel like we got to the point in the 90s and early 2000s, like, where, where race relations was... You know, we felt like as white dudes incorrectly that it was just, you know, it was this funny thing now, like Dave Chappelle talks about it and Chris Rock, you know, right? like Chris Rock making fun of like how his white friends are so comfortable at a traffic stop, you know, we're like, ha ha ha, that's real funny. Like, yeah, you know, so kind of new, but still not really knowing, you know, right. It's wild. It's wild. And that's the thing I think too, is, is the, um, there are so many, I have so many, uh, I have so many people I know who, who get so upset whenever they say the idea of privilege just makes them so uncomfortable and mad, you know?
1: Well, yeah. and I mean, yeah, yeah, it should make you uncomfortable because it's true.
0: Yeah. And, but I think the thing about it is (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I have, I have privileges that John Williams does not have. It doesn't mean I didn't work hard. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, there's stuff that he's had to go through in his life that I never have to I never have to go through. There's stuff that the female performers at the Renaissance Fair at the Renaissance Fairs that I do go through that I never have to go through. Right? Yeah. Again, it doesn't mean, you know, when they say, you know, stuff about, you know, uh we had a friend who said something about I wish white men, I wish men would stop blah blah blah. And then you have people who are who have the reaction of, "Well, not all men." I didn't I didn't do it. Now for me personally, I know she's not talking to me, right? but I also know men can be, be, be tools, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's freaking crazy, dude.
1: 100%. I think, and I, and, and I think that's why, you know, it would be so important for somebody to mythologize this, what's going on right now. And it's part of that is raising the awareness that like, yeah, like think about it. Look at the statistics, look at the incarceration statistics, look at how much more often someone is just pulled over for no other reason that they're a person of color. It, it's, it's just a fact and they're you know harassed pulled over and searched and all this shit stuff that doesn't happen to us it just doesn't right. happen and you know
0: it's also very interesting and i don't i i personally like welcome uh commentary on this from anybody who's listening because i don't i don't know exactly how to talk about it as a white dude yeah you yeah. know and there could very well be things I'm saying that are completely off off base about this because yeah, I, I could haven't be. had the experience. That's true. So if anybody is listening and you have any, uh, anything you'd like to say to us, please send us a message. Let us know. We will talk about it in a future episode happily. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Or just have you come on and just tell us yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy stuff. That'll be good. Anyhow. <laughs> so yeah, myths are
0: really powerful, dude. And we don't have them. No way I think we need them. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) All right, everybody. This has been an interesting episode. I hope everybody out there is staying safe and uh, healthy. I hope you're not getting COVID. I hope you're not getting beat up by the police right now. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. I hope that by the time we talk to you again, something will have changed for people. For the better. Yeah. That's our hope. Yeah. And let us know what we can do for you. Because we're here. That's the reason. That's what I like about philosophy is like actually honestly discussing stuff, trying to get real solutions and really deal with complicated issues. So anyway. Exactly. That's right. I'm TJ Miller. I'm here with Michael Brown.
1: Thanks for joining us, everybody.
0: Thank you all for being here. We will see you again the next time. We'll probably talk about myth again because I do want to talk about that more.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to break out here with a thousand faces or
0: something. Yeah, absolutely do some readings maybe that's what we should do is we should just read joseph campbell like we take turns like i do we do like we did in high school like you read one paragraph i read one paragraph. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's definitely so many nuggets of knowledge in that book yeah yeah it's just tremendous. absolutely so good see
0: all right everybody make sure you guys give us a uh, give us a like comment or what do people do on i don't know how podcasts work bro.
1: well if you listen to an apple podcast for sure um uh, give us a rating, leave a comment on there. The more um, the more high you know five star ratings that we get, the more visible we'll be to others, and so that will help uh, to actually spread the word. So definitely do that. Cool,
0: sweet, and tell your friends about us. Share our podcast. All right, guys, everybody, stay safe and healthy. We will see you guys the next time.
1: Peace out. Peace. Thanks for joining us.